close our series today with the third part of Best News Ever. And I want you to join me in the book of Acts. We're going to read from chapter 9 about a gentleman who became a believer after a pretty rough start. He encountered the best news ever. I want to show you how it begins. And then we're going to take a look at a surprise end. During those days, and sweetheart, could I just ask you, these are just scriptures, would you advance them so that I don't even have to pay attention to that? You all didn't hear that in live stream, but you definitely didn't hear that. My wife just asked me, so you mean I have to pay attention? I think you should give this to different people every week, and then everybody can have a chance of paying attention. I, I think that's an awesome idea. Who will do next week? <laughs> Mark? <laughs> Acts chapter 9, verse 1. During those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine somebody running around Pursuing Christ followers, wanting to murder them, just so angry that he's trying to capture them, jail them, and murder them. So he went and he asked the high priest, and he requested a letter of authorization that he could take the, to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting any who were followers of the way. Saul wanted to capture all of the believers that he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying Paul were stunned and speechless, for they had heard the heavenly voice or a heavenly voice, but they couldn't see anyone. Saul replied, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the victorious, the one you are persecuting. I want to pause. I am Jesus, the victorious. I'm not sure that I've ever heard Jesus referred to that way. Now, not by a proper noun, a, a name. I believe Jesus is victorious. I believe he won the battle. I know that when he came up out of that grave on Easter Sunday and was resurrected, he was victorious. But something here this morning cuts through so much of the stuff that we all go through. 
and says something to us that I want to emphasize this morning. Jesus, the victorious. Hold on to that. The one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city. We might back just back off of that volume, please. Where you will be told what you are to do. Saul stood to his feet, and even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blind. So the men had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. For three days, he didn't eat, and he couldn't see anything. Now, all of this is a result of that blinding light that the scripture says was a brilliant light flashing from heaven, and it suddenly exploded. Imagine what that might have been like. You're riding. You're being accompanied by a number of people, guards, other religious type types who are accompanying you to go arrest Christians. And as you're riding along this long road to Damascus, which maps show us is a very lonely road, a well-traveled road, but it's a lonely road, a desert road, dry, dusty, long. It's not beautiful scenery at all by any stretch of the imagination. It's not beautiful. And here's this blinding light, and it knocks him off of his horse. Have you ever been around an explosion that was so powerful that it shook your insides? You could, you could just feel it. It shook the house, the ground where you were standing. Then it just shook your insides and, and left you feeling a little traumatized inside. Oh my goodness, what was that? That's what happened to Paul here. Or Saul. And he goes then. They have to hold him by the hand and walk him into the city. And he's blind. And he doesn't eat for three days. Saul stood to his feet, and even though his eyes were blind, he could see nothing. So the man, so the men, took him by the hand, led him to Damascus, and for three days he didn't eat or drink. Verse 10, living in Damascus was a believer named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling his name. Ananias, yes, Lord. Ananias answered, the Lord said, go at once to the street called Abundance and look for the name and look for a man from Tarsus named Saul. You will find him at Judah's house. While he was praying, he saw in a supernatural vision a man named Ananias coming to lay his hands upon him to restore his sight. But Lord, Ananias replied, Many have told me about this terrible persecution of those in Jerusalem who are devoted to you. In fact, the high priest has authorized this Saul to seize and imprison all of those who are in Damascus who call on your name. And the Lord Yahweh answered him, Arise, go. I have chosen this man to be my special messenger he will be brought before kings, before many nations, and before the Jewish people to give them the revelation of who I am. Who did Jesus say he was a little bit earlier? The victorious. 
I will show him, verse 16, how much he is destined to suffer because of his passion for me. Could we pause a moment? I'm going to show him how much he has to suffer because he's passionate about me. Lord, I didn't sign up for that. If you're victorious, well then, surely I'm going to be victorious. If you've got life by the horns and everything's going great and you're victorious, you rose from the dead. Now, if I passionately follow you, everything in my life's going to be great. <laughs> no. Actually, I'm going to show you how much you have to suffer because you are passionate about me. Verse 17, Ananias left and he found the house where Saul was staying. And he went inside and he laid his hands on him, saying, Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus, excuse me, Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to pray for you so that you might see again and be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. All at once, the crusty substance that was over Saul's eyes disappeared and he could see perfectly. Immediately, he got up and was baptized. After eating a meal, his strength returned and within the hour, he was in the synagogues preaching about Jesus and proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. And those who heard him, I believe we have the rest of this, and those who heard him were astonished, saying among themselves, isn't this Saul who furiously persecuted those in Jerusalem, who called on the name of Jesus? Didn't he come here with permission from the high priest to drag them off and to take them all as prisoners? And do we have verse 22? And Saul's power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. Living in Damascus is a believer named Ananias. How many believers do, don't raise your hand, but how many believers do we have here this morning? Just sort of unassuming, living life. But you're a believer. Did you know that the Lord is constantly speaking to you just as he did Ananias now in this occasion he used a vision but God speaks to believers look at somebody and say God speaks to me look at the other person on your other side and say I hear voices 
<laughs> That's just a different way of saying God talks to me. Right? I hear voices. God talks to me. See, believers hear voices. Believers hear voices. And here's where it all started. During those days, a man so full of anger, angry threats and rage was murdering Christians. Aren't God's choices interesting? Number one, he chose you. But who would have believed that he would take somebody like this man who's angry, so angry and full of threats that he's murdering, capturing and jailing believers and God chooses him to turn his life around? I wonder how many of us find ourselves in circumstances where we are so bitter and angry and hurt and mad and we want to destroy. And in those circumstances, surely God would not speak to me. No, actually God might knock you off your horse if he needs to with exploding light he will get your attention but one way or another God chooses who he wants and God has chosen you and God speaks to us so whether you're already a believer a professing believer in Christ or you're angry and desperate and wanting to kill and destroy God loves you and he knows how to get through to you and he's chosen to use you. It's part of the best news ever. I have chosen this man to be my special messenger. What about all the Christians he's killed? What about his past? How many of you have a past? How many of you have some baggage? How many of you have some things in your life you're not proud of? How many of you have some things in your life that you believe discredit you? How many of you have ever felt like you know, I can never really do anything powerful or meaningful for the Lord because of this in my life. Well, apparently, God chooses who he wants. And despite what's in your background, he can flip that thing. You know why? Because he is the victorious. He doesn't look at your circumstances the way that you do. 
He doesn't look at where you're at right now and say, okay, well, that determines my blessing for you. Marissa said it earlier. It's not your belief that determines his blessing. It's not your belief or believing him that determines his goodness. It's your believing him that avails yourself of it so that you can walk in it and enjoy it in its fullness. But dear one, God has chosen you. And despite anything that's in your background, he is victorious and he has a plan for your life. Watch this. Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to pray for you. What insight does it require? What kind of relationship with Christ does it require? To call somebody like Saul, who's been murdering Christians, your brother. Are you able to do that with your neighbor? Think of somebody that you detest their lifestyle. You detest their choices in life. The life they've chosen. I hesitate to call them sins because, you know, they're just what you and I call sins and what God considers sin and what somebody else considers to be a sin. These are choices that we make that somebody else doesn't approve of and choices that I make that maybe God himself doesn't approve of. And we could call it sin or mistakes or whatever we want. But how many of us know people that we just, we don't want to be around, we don't want to fellowship with, we don't want to build a relationship with, we certainly wouldn't call them brother or sister. I think Saul qualifies as somebody that you would never get close to that you would shun, that you would stay away from. And yet, this man walks in based purely on God telling him in a vision, go and pray for this man. And he calls him brother. You can't do that with somebody you don't know who's been murdering Christians, destroying the very thing that you yourself are so that you, you are afraid you are, have been hiding. You have been concerned he might come to your city and haul you off as a believer. You would never call him brother unless you have a revelation of Jesus, the victorious. What does that mean? When Jesus rose from the dead, the scripture says that what he did in that death, burial, and resurrection. He did for all humanity, not just for those who believe it. Did you know that that person whose choices you find disgusting, whose life you know is just as far away from God as can be, did you know God loves that person? And that the same thing God did for you, God did for them? And did you know as far as God is concerned, he, always, he already considers them one of his. Jeff, could you find the verse and put it up? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, 19. I believe it's 5, 19. 
and uh, I'm, I'm going to continue, but if you find that, would you, would you just go ahead and put it up on the screen when you, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it's great in every one. I'm going to see and, and just check myself here. Um, is it up there already? Wow, that was fast. That is, that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to him. You mean Paul? You mean Saul of Tarsus? Who's going around jailing Christians, murdering believers? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. How do you just dismiss trespasses? How do you not keep track of the way somebody's living to where it disgusts you and you shun them and you don't want to be around them? How do you call them brother unless you embrace them with the love that God embraces each of us with? The only way is to know Jesus the victorious because what Jesus did for you, he did for everybody. What Jesus did for one, he did for humanity. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not keeping track of their sins. All at once, this crusty substance was removed. And notice this in verse 20. He gets his sight back and he eats. And within the hour, he was in the synagogues preaching. You'll remember in our first message, we talked about Mary of Magdala. On Easter, she was the woman who ran to the tomb of Jesus, got there first, saw, saw something special and different than the other see. In fact, the men didn't see it. John and Peter ran, and they didn't see what she saw. Why? Because she gazed. She fixed her focus. She continued to look. She didn't leave quickly. She sat and soaked. And when she left, she ran to tell others. Last week, we talked about the woman at the well whose life was so transformed in a conversation with Jesus that she ran back to her town and began to tell all of the men that she had slept with and all the rest of the people in the city. And the Bible says there that the entire city got up and started coming. They left the town and went to the well so that they could see this man who told this woman everything she had ever done. What is it about meeting Jesus that causes you to want to share? What is it about meeting Jesus, seeing Jesus, that causes you to want to share? You might be saying, Pastor Jeff, I, I, I really don't, I'm not comfortable sharing my faith. I think it's just a private thing. I should keep it to myself. And uh, I, I, I just don't believe Christians should be out there inconveniencing others by pushing their faith on them. Well, I agree. You shouldn't be out there inconveniencing others, pushing your faith on them. 
Because when you do that, you turn people off. And we are great at doing that. Christians excited, immature. They want to tell people about the latest miracle. They want to tell people about the latest person who fell down on the ground. They want to tell people about the latest, you know, thing they saw or thing they read or thing they, you know, maybe even a miracle that they saw. And my question is, are we telling people about our faith or are we telling people about Jesus, the victorious? When is the last time you simply told somebody, God loves you just as you are. Don't change. He loves you just as you are. He doesn't require you to change. And because he's victorious, he's not keeping track of your sins. He accepts you right now just the way you are. And when you tell them that, it draws them to Jesus. Not your faith, not your church, not your doctrine. It draws them to Jesus. Jesus did not come to start a new faith or religion. He didn't come to start Christianity. He came to reveal himself as the Son of God. No, let me correct that. He came to reveal the Father in you by living He's not only an example for us. Jesus was an example of us. The victorious. Not victorious because everything's going right in your life. <laughs> victorious because you've been reconciled to God. And he's no longer counting your sins against you. And this is for humanity. Even the most disgusting, despicable, as, as one translation says it, Jesus one, in one setting was hanging out with the scum of the earth, the Bible says, Luke chapter 15. And Jesus was at dinner with the scum of the earth. It's hard to love scum. It's hard to love people that don't believe like you do. You know what's even harder? To talk people into coming to your church. You know what's really hard? To talk people into giving up what they believe because you tell them it's not right and they need to believe something else because you, you know that, it's, that what you believe is right. What you believe produces. People don't want to hear that. What people need to know is that God accepts them. Not into a new religion or into my church or my doctrine. God, the victorious, accepts us as we are. Now, this message, the best news ever, when Paul encountered it, this angry, raging maniac who was a murderer, 
When he encountered this message, the best news ever, it so transformed his life that within the hour of getting his sight back and having lunch, he was down at the synagogue telling people, I met Jesus. Jesus loves you. He's not counting your sins against you. He's made you to be like God the Father. In fact, you are. You are the very expression of God. Now, can I show you something? We don't have a slide for this, Jeff, so I'm going to trust you. F Philippians. And I have to look for it myself because I didn't plan on this. Jeff, I'm not exactly sure. Just a minute of which scripture to, to tell you to turn to. And honey, I wonder if you could help me. 213. 213. No. Paul finds himself, and you can help me find this as you listen. Paul lives his life sharing the gospel but winds up in prison. Imagine that. Great ministry, miracles, signs and wonders, delivering people from demons, building churches, and Paul, at the end of his life, is in jail, writing one of the letters to the churches that we now have in our Bible. And he says, I believe it's verse 10, Nina. Is it, is it 3-7? Let me turn there. Is it Philippians, right? Philippians three, seven, right. Perhaps. Okay. And then all the way down to 10? Yes. That's it. Thank you. Do you have it there handy? Uh, what translation is that? Um, okay, so NIV if you want or ESV. Watch this. There is no disagreement on the fact that when Paul is writing this, Philippians chapter 3, Jeff, starting in verse 7, that he is in jail. Imagine the success of a man like Paul. All that he's experienced. You would think that the victorious man, he was going to finish life pastoring a great big church Casting out devils, performing miracles, living the good life. And he's in a dark, dank cell, writing on parchment these words. Watch. Whatever was gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord for whose sake I have lost 
all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now listen to his words here. Verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Would you keep serving God if everything you enjoy today was suddenly removed from your life? If your vehicle and your clothing and your good home and the proximity that you have with raising your children, growing a family, If all of a sudden you lost all of that and were sitting alone in a jail cell with only one thing promised that either you are going to die there or they are going to cut off your head or crucify you, one of the two. But you will die. You will either just die and rot. You will either just rot and therefore die in this cell. Or you will be murdered. They will take your life. That's your only promise. Now, you ask for a piece of paper. And you ask for something to write with. And you're not bitter. You're not angry. You're not unhappy. You're not asking what went wrong. What if, if I only had. You're pinning these words. To know him. And the power of his resurrection. What must that kind of relationship with Jesus be like? That you could go from a pinnacle high. Right over half of the New Testament. Perform miracles. Grow out legs. Open blind eyes. Start churches. Preach to thousands and thousands. And wind up at the end of your life in a cell. Writing. And you're writing the words... It's all loss. It's all dung. I don't care about it. I care about one thing. To know him. Paul didn't know him. After decades of preaching and doing miracles, Paul's writing to know him. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do I love Jesus because of what he does for me? Do I love Jesus because what he gives me? Do I follow God and come to church because of the things I see? 
the miracles I see, the positive great things that are happening? Or would I be willing to lose it all and still have this wonderful, wonderful testimony to know him? Oh, to be close. Oh, to embrace. See, the best news ever changes everything. The best news ever causes your life to become God's glove. You have the slide, Jeff. You are tailor-made for him. To f for him to be able to find expression through you. That's all Paul cared about. Jesus, just find your expression through me. There's a point at which I don't care about your miracle. I don't care about your writing. I don't care about that thing that's so important. I don't care about all of this stuff. I don't care about what I've built or what I've lost. I care about one thing, to know him. That is the best news ever. Do you know him? Do you know him in a way that that best news ever has so changed your life that you could sit in a cell having lost everything and write? the words that Paul wrote.
While this plays in the background, um, would you just maybe pair up or three up or four up for a closing prayer? Go grab somebody's hand. Be two of you, three of you, four of you, however you want to do it. Just don't stand alone. Would you go to somebody? Go find somebody? Go on.
say what do I say <laughs> do you have to say something we just sang it now let God do something supernaturally right now as you're holding that person as you're touching that person you're communicating you're communicating faith you're communicating love you're acknowledging the victorious one is here this morning see that's that's what God wants us to do with our community that's what God wants you to do with your neighbor that's what God wants you to do with your children so often it's not that you have to say something don't lay your hands on people to get somewhere to see something necessarily lay your hands touch somebody embrace them hold their hand touch their shoulder to say we're one I'm in God Christ is in me you're in me you're in God you're in you're my brother you're my sister so I touch you right now see God's doing something so far beyond our wildest imaginations as we just yield he can find you on a dusty lonely road going somewhere that's so out of his will so contrary to his love he can find you he can explode into your life personally I'd rather have that than all of the other religious stuff all of the other things that make the news <laughs> or make the YouTube channel or people write books about. Boy, I tell you, if it, if it doesn't find me at the end of my life able to be in a cell writing the words to know him, not mad, not angry, not resentful, not ashamed, embracing the victory. That's what you're doing right now. You're passing on the victorious one. Oh Jesus, right now. We love you, Jesus. We accept this life. We accept forgiveness. We accept that we are powerful. We accept that we can do miracles. We accept that you've called us to share the best news ever thank you for all the good things we have thank you for our cars and our clothing and our children and our parents and thank you God for all of the our careers and all the good things you've blessed us with thank you but Lord we count them as garbage compared to what we're experiencing right now, right here, right now, the victorious one, Jesus. This is Jesus. This is God. See, and in this now, you are healed. In this, your bills get paid. <laughs> in this, 
that car you need gets either repaired or fixed or released into your life see it all comes out of presence it all comes out of the atmosphere shifting ah Jesus there there it is there it is there it is now to each person that's in your little group look each other in the eye and say I release the blessing go ahead say it to them look around the circle say it to each one I release the blessing and then add of the victorious <laughs> 